Hello children and welcome to A Story at Bedtime. The tale you're going to hear this evening is another story from the wonderful dinosaurs of Dino Dell. Written and narrated by Alice Goulding. Do enjoy and sleep well. Stan the Stegosaurus gets lost again. One day in Dino Dell, Stan the Stegosaurus was wandering aimlessly about. He wanted to go home, but he was lost again. He could never remember the way home, and that was hardly surprising because his brain was only the size of a walnut. The other dinosaurs were always giving him directions, but he could never remember them. By the time they had got to the fifth instruction, turn right after the green fern, he had forgotten what the first instruction was. Annie the Archaeopteryx called all the dinosaurs of Dinodel to a meeting. We have to do something about Stan. Annie was adamant. He can't remember where he lives and wanders around lost all the time. I, for one, am fed up with constantly giving him directions. All the dinosaurs agreed that it was exceedingly irritating. What was to be done? No one wanted to volunteer to look after him all day. Even if they took turns, it nearly was a full-time job. We could make signs, Mary the Mammoth suggested. No one thought Stan could read, so they decided to draw pictures instead. They worked tirelessly all day, hanging pictures of arrows, pointing the way to Stan's home, on all his favourite walks. By nightfall, all around Dinodell, there were arrows everywhere, all pointing to Stan's house. Stan was lost again. Annie saw him walking round in a circle and flew down to help him. Annie, I can't remember the way home and I'm hungry, Stan moaned. Don't worry, Stan. Can you see that arrow? It's the showing you the way to go, Annie explained patiently. She walked him round Dinodell until Stan had worked out how to follow an arrow. By the end of the week, Stan the Stegosaurus had not, not had to ask his friends once how to get home. Stan was happy because now he always got home in plenty of time for dinner. Edited by Sue Rodwell-Smith, Story at Bedtime was brought to you by Wavelength Productions and recorded in Huntingdon, Cambridgeshire. Hello children and welcome to Bedtime Story. The tale you're going to hear this evening is another story about Carlos the Cat and his friends. Written by Graham Emmett and narrated by Uncle Roger. Enjoy and sleep well. Carlos and Teddy Become Artists by Graham Emmett Carlos had been watching television. It had been an arts programme featuring the Tate Modern and the programme had been promoting an exhibition on cats. This gave him an idea for a day out without getting into any trouble. Tomorrow he would go and see Teddy, Larry and Priscilla to see if they were interested. He didn't expect Larry to join them. Carlos could see Larry's tail twitching as he approached the garden. He was ready to pounce on some poor unsuspecting mouse in the undergrowth, so Carlos stealthily walked by to find Teddy. Looking through the window from the garden table, he could see Teddy busy picking the winners for today's big horse race at the Royal Windsor meeting. Carlos rapped on the window to attract Teddy's attention. He came out. If those tips come up, Mrs Phipps should have enough winnings for another weekend away, said Teddy, satisfied with his selections. What brings you here today? Mm, I wondered if you, Larry and Priscilla fancied a culture trip. 
We shouldn't get into trouble doing that, and I need to get into Priscilla's good books after last time. Yes, she wasn't too pleased about that. I don't think Larry would be interested. He'd rather go night hunting. OK, you go and ask Priscilla. Say it's your idea. She's more likely to come then. Off went Teddy to find Priscilla. Carlos went to see if Larry had been successful and he found him making funny faces and licking the grass. What's wrong, Larry? asked Carlos, slightly concerned. What I thought was a mouse turned out to be a slimy frog. It tasted horrible, yuck, so I let it get away and now I can't get rid of the taste. Carlos left Larry smirking to himself as he went to wait for Teddy and Priscilla at the end of the garden. I hope she forgives me for last time. They appeared from the long grass like explorers in the jungle, Teddy in front, also with a smile on his face. Priscilla said in a haughty tone, I'm only coming if you promise we won't need to be rescued again. Oh, I promise. Now let's go. We've got a tube train to catch. They walked over the wobbly bridge to the entrance, following the signs to the exhibition. It was on the fourth level. They took the lift, not wanting to get their tails trapped on the escalators. A few people made a fuss of them. Then they got out. Walking through other rooms, Carlos noted that some of the paintings and sculptures were just plain weird. Others were very clever, like the upside-down tree trunk that didn't fall over. No one bothered them. People thought they were part of the exhibition. They had their photographs taken as they sat on or next to some of the sculptures, or did impressions of lions roaring under a picture. Priscilla was enjoying all the attention. Teddy was finding it interesting as well, especially the modern works. Carlos preferred the traditional paintings. When they returned, Mrs Ponsonby was in the garden. She liked painting flowers and had just finished one. Deciding to go and make a cup of tea, she put the paper, paints and brushes on the ground. Carlos saw an opportunity. Teddy, how about we paint a picture of Priscilla? It couldn't be any worse than some that we've seen today. Oh, why not? They both picked up a brush in their teeth and started. Priscilla sat for them, head high, looking down on them. Teddy painting her head and body and Carlos her legs and tail. Then they both painted the background. Mrs Ponsonby was most surprised when she came back out and saw what they'd done. Well, you two had better sign that with a couple of paw prints and I'll send it to the Tate Modern Gallery for them to display. Edited by Sue Rodwell-Smith, Story at Bedtime was brought to you by Wavelength Productions and recorded in Huntingdon, Cambridgeshire. Hello and welcome to Children's Bedtime Story. It's Wednesday where we hear all about the orange dog named Jaffa. Written by Jackie Richmond and narrated by me, Sue Rodwell-Smith. Let's see what Jaffa is up to this evening, shall we? Enjoy and sleep well. How much is that doggy in the window? 
one with the waggly tail. How much is that doggy in the window? I do hope that dog is for sale. I must take a trip to California. Satsuma comes to live with Jaffa, Edward and George. It must have been quite strange for Satsuma. Hopefully not too bad, as he had known me, Mum and Dad all his life. When Mum and Dad arrived with Satsuma, and I thought to myself, Wow, that's my brother. I was so happy. When we met one another, we wagged our tails and said hello after all these years. My eyes began to fill up with tears as I thought I would never see my brother again. I could not believe that Satsuma was here and we were all together again. Satsuma was unsure when he first arrived. I showed him the ropes and he soon settled in. He loved sleeping in George's bed. I could hear Mum saying that it was amazing to see the two older boys together again in their twilight years. Time had done a complete circle. After a couple of weeks Satsuma had settled, Mum and Dad decided to take Satsuma to the vets just to make sure things were going okay for him. The vet said that Satsuma was very poorly and they didn't think he would last two weeks. He had kidney failure and a very bad ear infection. but. Satsuma was a tough old cookie, just like me. Me and Sats, that's what I called him, would lie together and reminisce about all the years that had gone past. And now, in our twilight years, we were back together. I couldn't believe it, and I don't think Sats could too. I told Sats that our doggy mum had lived with me. He was also pleased to hear the news and that his son Louis had lived with me too. He would always say he often wondered how I was getting on, but I knew that I had got on a lot better than Sats. Mum and Dad made such a fuss over Sats. Mind you, they made a fuss all over us, which was lovely. Sats would tell anyone off who tried to get near him when he was eating or in his bed. Of course, this all changed and Sats became more placid. I would tell him not to worry, no one would ever take his food or his bed. Sats loved his food, scrambled eggs, sausage and biscuits, and he would eat them all separately. He liked the beds too. He chose to sleep in any bed, but he liked George's bed the most, as it was near the radiator in the kitchen. He loved to go for walks, not so keen along the paths, but being off lead with me in the park. We did everything again two by two, like we did as puppies. Mind you, it would take Mum ages to walk us now, as we were both deaf and would sniff every blade of grass. It was never a problem as I knew the park, so we would do our own thing, then catch up with the rest later. We would go out in all weathers, including the snow, when each one of us would have our own winter coat. Mine was red and Sats was royal blue. During the cold weather, both Sats and I would be seen wearing our woolly jumpers too, as we both now have kidney disease and feel the cold, but how smart we both looked. Mum always made sure we were warm and cosy. Sats enjoyed his one and only Christmas with me. It was glorious to see him open his presents that Mum and Dad would always buy for us at Christmas. I would say to him, Merry Christmas, Sats. It's lovely having you here. Sadly, we were both getting older, so we were not so energetic and agile as we used to be. Sats had quite a hard life in his later years, but now living with us, hopefully he will forget. He never really spoke about it. Sats started to love life. He loved his meals, toasty levenses and carrot, as do all of us, 
but most of all, he loved his cosy bed and, on many occasions, I would find him curled up fast asleep. I miss my brother a lot, but I really enjoyed our time together. I feel I'm getting a little tired and may need to have a dog nap. I hope you enjoyed my story. Until the next time, good night, children. How much is that dog in the window? <laughs> the one with the waggly tail. How much is that dog in the window? <laughs> I do hope that dog is for sale. I must take a trip to California and leave my poor sweetheart. Edited by Sue Rodwell-Smith, Children's Bedtime Story was brought to you by Wavelength Productions and recorded in Huntington, Cambridgeshire. Hello children and welcome to A Story at Bedtime. This evening's story is all about Dorothea. It was written by John Mountford and is narrated by Julie Stark and me, Sue Rodwell-Smith. Dorothea has magic powers when she wears a particular pair of jeans. What do you think she's up to this evening? Let's see, shall we? Enjoy! Dorothea and the Kettle Dorothea is just the same as every other little girl. Well, almost. You see, she's just the same as you or your sister until she changes into her... Wait, here she comes now. She can tell you herself. Hello, everyone. I'm Dorothea. Dorothea, tell the children about your genes. Do you think they'll really want to know? Oh, yes, I'm sure they will. Well, it's like this. When I'm on my way to school, nothing fun happens at all. The teacher talks non-stop all day, and then it's time to leave. Hooray! But when I get back home again, I change into my jeans, and then... Jeans, jeans are my lovely jeans. Now I can chatter with machines. Can you really, Dorothea? Don't you believe me? I'm wearing my jeans now, so come for a walk with me and see. Today, Dorothea is visiting the tea room where her mum helps out, making tea and biscuits for the senior citizens. Hello, Mum. Hello, Dorothea. What a nice surprise. Have you just come to see me, or do you want something? I was bored, so I was wondering if I could help you serve the tea. Oh, yes. We could always do with extra hands. Could you fill the kettle up with fresh water for me? OK, Mum. Dorothea is filling the kettle from the tap. There, done that. Now what can I do? Well, you need to switch it on, of course, to boil the water for the tea. Hello, Dorothea. Hello, kettle. How are you today? The kettle is talking to Dorothea and, because she is wearing her jeans, she can understand what it says. I'm a bit hot and flustered today. That's because you're a kettle. Oh, it's getting boiling in here. Can you open a window, please, Dorothea? I'll ask. Mum, can we open a window? Why, dear, it's freezing today. The old people will get cold if they sit in a draught. Why do you want the window open? It's the kettle. He's hot. Yes, I know that, dear. It's a kettle. It's meant to be hot. You see, I get no sympathy. I just boil away and no one cares how I feel. 
I do, Kettle. I'll see what I can do. Mum, have we got any ice cubes? I think there are some in the freezer. But what do you want ice cubes for? To cool down the poor kettle. He's boiling. Yes, I know it's boiling. It's a kettle. Putting ice cubes in will make the water cold and we'll have to start again. To make good tea, the water must be boiling. Sorry, kettle. Don't worry, Dorothea. You've done your best. I'll just sit here and swelter. Look, I'm so hot I've got steam coming out of my spout. See? It's very pretty. The kettle's boiling now, Dorothea. Can you switch it off, please? Oh, that's better. Now I can cool off. Fall off? No, don't fall off. All your boiling hot water will spill out and we shall get burned. I won't fall off. I've got rubber feet. You've got to rub your feet. How will you do that? You haven't got any hands. Poor Kettle. Dorothea has started teasing him. Whoa! What's the matter? Nothing's the matter, dear. I just picked up the kettle and I'm pouring the boiling water into a teapot. Whoa, I don't like heights. Oh, Kettle, you're just not suited to your job, are you? It's not my fault I'm nervous. I get too hot and then I get flustered. Poor Kettle, I'll put some more cold water in you. Then you'll feel better. Oh, thank you, Dorothea. That's the end of this story. We'll come back and see what Dorothea is doing another day for another adventure. Edited by Sue Rodwell-Smith, Children's Bedtime Story was brought to you by Wavelength Productions and recorded in Huntington, Cambridgeshire. Good morning, children, and welcome to Children's Corner on a Saturday, broadcasting on 8CR 104FM. I do hope you enjoy the story today, and do tell all your friends, won't you? Have a lovely Playday Saturday, and see you next week. The Best Birthday Surprise Ever. Written by Becca Cook, and narrated by me, Sue Rodwell-Smith. Stompy, Gusty and Baby Bo the Elephants gathered underneath Milo the Monkey's treehouse, looking upwards expectantly. Mother Flo signalled with a thumbs up and the elephants sounded their trumpets in tune. Milo descended the stairs, rubbing his eyes, and said a sleepy, Good morning! His sister Macy began to sing, Happy birthday to you, a year older and fabulous too. Happy birthday dear Milo, happy birthday, let's celebrate you! Surprise! called out parents Flo and Jared, grinning from ear to ear. Balloons and banners decorated the treehouse. Milo's eyes grew wide with excitement. Today was his tenth birthday. Milo waved from the window, thanking the elephants for their awesome tune. Milo spotted some presents. Jared noticed and said, Breakfast first. The family sat together, tucking into banana pancakes. Oh, Milo kept one eye on his presents. Whoa, slow down, Milo. Do not eat so fast, warned Flo. Milo was too excited. He was looking at the shape and size of the gifts. He had been wishing for one thing, but thought these gifts looked too small. Finally, Milo could open his presents. 
He sat on the floor and ripped open the shiny blue paper. Inside was a brush, a bowl, a whistle and a large red cushion and a book. Milo scratched his head, thinking these were very strange gifts. Suddenly, a flash of yellow and something furry bounded over to him and licked his face. Milo blinked twice, just in case this was a dream. Stood in front of him, wagging a tail, was the cutest dog Milo had ever seen. Attached to the collar was a yellow bow. Milo punched the air. Yippee, my very own dog! The dog barked, wagging his tail excitedly. What should we call him? asked Macy. Mm, Zorro, Milo said. They all thought Zorro was a great name. Now remember, Zorro is part of this family and we all need to take good care of him, instructed Flo. Zorro came to sit in between Milo and Macy as they opened the book and began to read How to Care for Your New Dog. Milo could not stop smiling. His wish had come true and the presents all made perfect sense as they were for Zorro. Having a pet takes responsibility, Milo read out loud. Zorro will need fresh water and special food. Pancakes will give him a stomachache. A safe place to sleep that is warm and dry. Daily walks with time to play and socialise. Ooh, and lots of love and training. Wow, there's a lot to remember, said Maisie. Flo reassuringly said, we will all learn together. They all decided to take Zorro for his first walk. Outside, Zorro caught sight of a hummingbird and decided to chase it. Milo's arm was pulled forwards as he grabbed Zorro's lead with both hands. Milo was not strong enough and was pulled across the floor. Macy gasped and cried out, I've got you, Milo, taking hold of his feet. Macy was also pulled across the forest floor. Oh, Gerald cried as he took hold of Macy's legs. Don't worry, children, I will help you, boomed Jared. But Zorro was too strong and the three of them were being pulled across the forest floor. Diva the hippo saw the comical sight and decided to help. Diva's little legs picked up speed as she overtook Zorro. Once Diva was far enough in front, she stopped and sat down in the middle of the path. Zorro ran straight into Diva, stopping him in his tracks. Diva smiled, saying, Zorro's got nothing on Diva. Zorro barked and wagged his tail happily. Milo, Macy and Jared got up from the floor, pulling twigs from their hair. Blowing out his cheeks, Milo said, Wow, that was close. Zorro, tomorrow we are starting dog training classes. Zorro barked and wagged his tail excitedly. Children's Corner on a Saturday was edited by Sue Rodwell-Smith. Produced by Wavelength Productions and recorded in Huntingdon, Cambridgeshire. Hello and welcome to Children's Corner. You are about to hear another children's poem from Jumping Jewels' Julie Stevens. Do enjoy. My friend. My friend was definitely the best. We'd always walk side by side, grinning from ear to ear. Nobody knew what we were thinking. 
Her hair was longer than mine. Purple ribbons would sway in the wind. She'd brush mine to make it grow, but it never stretched that far. At school, she'd sit next to me, lending pencils from her tin. Her rubbers were the best I've seen. Mine always left a mark. Holidays were spent in exotic places. Presents came flooding back, speaking of her brave adventures with me. If I dreamt really hard, one day she never showed her smile. There was no one at my side. Mum said she'd moved away. I wonder why she didn't say goodbye. Edited by Sue Rodwell Smith, Children's Corner was brought to you by Wavelength Productions and recorded in Huntingdon, Cambridgeshire.